This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. You're listening to Be Kind Rewind with Tim Nidell, taking you back to when movies were actually good. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? When music wasn't auto-tuned. When TV only had a few channels. And now, here's your host, Tim Nidell. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Beacon Rewind with Tim Nadell, which is me, of course. And welcome to 2021. Ah, I can't believe we actually uh, survived 2020. Um, sucky year, I know, but let's look toward the future right now and, and try to make 2021 a better year, which I'm I'm trying to do. I don't know about you guys, but I'm trying to make it a better year, not only for the podcasts that I do, but, you know, my life family and everything like that try to make it a better year so hopefully you do that as well of course make sure to check me out online it's timnidale.com check out my other podcast saturday morning rewind it's at saturdaymorningrewind.com and of course this show is part of the phoenix media the future of broadcasting make sure to like them on facebook and check out their website really awesome guys really awesome shows on there you will not regret it one other thing, make sure to check out my YouTube channel. Just type in my name, Tim Nidell, or just go to my website, timnidell.com. Find all the links right there. I think you'll really enjoy it. I, I got a lot of vlog videos, travel videos, celebrity interviews, convention trips, Disney trips, travel videos. A lot of cool stuff on there, especially if you like 80s and 90s retro things. I got some retro videos that I've made over the years and am still making nowadays so go check that out type my name in tim nidell and you'll find me but yeah as i mentioned earlier in my intro i do another show called saturday morning rewind where i i I go back and i interview voice actors that i grew up loving you know from cartoons and movies that i adored as a kid and i'm gonna play one for you guys it's with lou hirsch who was a voice of baby herman from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is easily one of my all-time favorite movies. I remember when I was a kid. I remember when it came out. I think it was eight. Maybe it was nine. I don't remember. And uh, my parents took me to the theater, and my brother and I just were just at all with the movie. And it wasn't until years later when I found out my mom really wanted to take us from the movie because it was a little raunchier than uh, she thought it would be. But she, you know, she saw us enjoying ourselves and having fun with the movie. So we stayed in the movie and I'm glad we did because that experience was amazing. The theater, uh, still one of my all time favorite movies. I watch it at least once a year. It's, it still holds up today. I mean, that animation, the acting, just remarkable. So here is episode 174 of Saturday Morning Rewind, my interview with Lou Hirsch. Enjoy. First, thank you so very much for this. Big fan of your work as Baby Herman. I gotta say that movie is still in probably my top five of all time movies. 
Well, I, I'm I'm very flattered that first that you have such a long memory because it's so long ago now, uh, I uh, and I, I'm I'm flattered that uh, people uh, uh, still reach out to me. I mean, I, I, after all these years, I, I still get fan mail. I, I still get requests for for you know signed photos and oh. stuff. It just it just amazes me. I I, um, I never thought when I did the job that. 30 years on, yeah. I'd still be talking about it. Yeah, that's insane, isn't it? Have you ever thought about doing conventions to, to sign autographs and everything? Uh, you know, well, nobody's actually ever asked me to go and do a convention. I mean, I, I just don't know how much um, interest my being there would generate, really. Hmm. I mean, uh, um, uh, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I have a couple of friends that do them. Um, uh, not uh, um, one of my uh, friends from long, long time ago, uh, who I went to drama school with in uh, in the UK, uh, was is a young lady by the name of Marina Sirtis, who played uh, Deanna Troy in uh, Star Trek: Next Generation. Of course, of course, yeah. And um, I believe she does, you know, sort of Star Trek conventions mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And, uh, um, so going back to your question, no, no, nobody's ever asked me. <laughs> well, you know, something's got to change about that. <laughs> well, that, you know, I mean, you know, somebody sends me an email and says, "Are you interested in doing this?" And I mean, if it's you know, uh, uh, I, I certainly, I guess, I would consider it, but uh -huh. I, I don't even know what it entails. I don't know, you know, <laughs> so. Well, I, I would hope to meet up and get a signed autograph from you at some point, because that would be amazing. It would. It would be a pleasure. So. Our show is all about going back and reliving your childhood. That's why I'm talking to you. You were a big part of my childhood because I think Roger Rabbit is one of my earlier memories of going to the theater and watching a movie. I was eight years old when it came out, and I was just drawn to that screen. I found out years later that my mom and dad wanted to uh, pull us out of the theater, but they were afraid that we were going to, you know, get too upset that we were oh. being taken out. I guess maybe some Jessica Rabbit stuff. I don't know what the deal was. Yeah. But, but uh, tell me a little bit about your childhood. What kind of stuff did you do as a kid? You say that, I mean, like you say that uh, uh, your first experience of, of uh, uh, Roger Rabbit was, was in a movie theater. Mm -hmm. I, I My very first, my memory of, Going to a movie theater and seeing a, um, a, a movie that made a massive impression on me was uh, going to see The Wizard of Oz. Of course, a great one, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not that old, <laughs> but but, but uh, I remember being I think probably maybe five or six years old. Going to the movie theater when it was when they still showed that movie in the movie theaters, mm -hmm. and me being uh, absolutely fascinated with it all, and and uh, um, I remember I, I, I have a, such a, a abiding memory of the scene when they're all in the wizard's chamber. And uh, uh, he tells them he wants them to bring back the the broom of the wicked witch, mm -hmm. and and, um, he, and the lion says to him, he says, "But what if she kills us first? And then he says, "I said go," and the lion runs down all and he dives out the window, 
at five or six years old, I remember just convulsing with laughter. It's one of my abiding memories, as you say, that you know when you saw Roger Rabbit in, in the cinema. It's the same kind of thing. Wizard of Oz is 80 years old? No, I can't. <laughs> I mean, and that movie, that movie, it, it is impeccable. How The quality of that film, it surpasses many films made in the 70s. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I, I, I have, I have a, a vivid memory of when it goes from black and white into color. Mm-hmm. You know, when she opens the door. I mean, and the, the special effects that they were using at that time were groundbreaking really i mean there's cg movies nowadays that look worse than that oh for sure for sure <laughs> you know and and uh, i've read all sorts of wonderful stories about the you know the shenanigans that went on when they were making them mm-hmm. yep. and margaret hamilton who played uh, uh, the wicked witch nearly dying i remember um, that yeah. when she went up in the in the pub of smoke she actually caught fire and was burned severely wow. uh, and was they had to stop filming for months while she recovered so i mean, I mean obviously you know things weren't perfect in no. 1939 <laughs> you know so, uh, it, 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 it's, it's just a wonderful memory for me when i was a child so yeah i love that now, now tell me how did you get involved with who frame roger rabbit i was originally seen to play one of the humans in the film Oh, really? I'd gone out to uh, L Street. I, I was living in, in, in the UK at the time because the, the entire film was, was shot in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've, I spent most, I, I mean, I'm now living in the United States, but uh, I spent most of my adult life and working life living and working in the UK. I had just been out in Los Angeles knocking around looking for work. And nothing was going on, and uh, uh, I had done a um, I had done a television commercial in England for uh, for Eastern Airlines. It was a, the president of Eastern Airlines, at its when it eventually went under was uh, um, Frank Borman, who was one of the uh, um, uh, original astronauts. But they had started this London Miami route. They were doing commercials for them, and I was very, very lucky to. I got cast doing a, a commercial for Eastern Airlines advertising their London Miami route, and I had done one commercial, and um, I was out in L.A. sitting around spinning my wheels, and nothing was going on, and my agent in London called me, and said, um, "Look, they want to do a second commercial." with the character that you did for East, uh, for your Eastern Airlines commercial. And uh, she says, I've told them that you're in Los Angeles. Uh, and they said, well, we'll fly him back to do the commercial. We're an airline. <laughs> we can do that, you yeah. know. So they, she said, do you want to come back and do the commercial? And, and I'd been knocking around in L.A. for, I guess, for about three or four months and nothing was going on. And I, I said to my agent, I said, well, yeah, I said, I'll do the commercial, and you can tell them to make it a one-way ticket. Uh, they don't have to fly me back to L.A., and uh, I'll come back and do the commercial, and uh, because I still had 
uh, I still had an apartment in London. I didn't give that up. And about two weeks after I did that commercial, my agent then called me and said, um, you've got an audition for this film that they're doing called Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, go along on such and such a day is, uh, uh, um, to meet Robert Zemeckis. Who I, you know, I was in awe of it, you know, because he'd done, you know, like all the Back to the Future course, stuff yeah. and, 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 all, and all that. And I said, wow, you know, so, so I'd gone along to meet him and um, uh, I was auditioning to play one of the humans in the film. We, we had a good meeting and, and, uh, and I left and I went home. And uh, this was, this, you have to remember that this was in mid 80s. So this was before the days of cell phones. <laughs> Uh, and um, and I got back to my uh, apartment in, in London and, and um, I could hear my phone ringing. I lived like on the top floor of a three-story building and I could hear my phone ringing uh, in, in my apartment. It was ringing, ringing off the wall and I ran up the stairs and grabbed, grabbed the phone. It was my age. She says, oh, I've been trying to ring you for ages. She says, I've just been on the phone with the um, uh, um, casting director uh, um, for this Roger Rabbit thing that you went for. And uh, Robert Zemeckis doesn't think that you're right for any of the humans in the film, but he, he loves your voice. Interesting. Do you, you, do you want to voice the baby? And <laughs> I said, sure. <laughs> I've never done anything like that yeah. before. You know? So I, 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 I said yes, and uh, and um, I mean I didn't have to go for costume fittings or anything like that. Yeah. I just had to wait until they started shooting. <laughs> you know, you know they send me bits of script, and uh, it, it, every time they sent me a bit of script, it, it was like it was like signing the official secrets act. You 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 know you had to sign for everything, and everything was under cloak and dagger, and you know this is like uh, uh, very secretive. You and I wasn't allowed to tell anybody. That I was doing this film, it, 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 it was a bit surreal. I mean, I, I, um, I've said this in other uh, interviews as well. In my, my very, very first day on the set, I walked on and, and was introduced to a couple of people, and uh, then uh, introduced to uh, uh, to Charlie Fleischer, mm -hmm. who uh, um, did Roger's voice, and. Um, he was wearing Roger's costume. Yep. <laughs> and which, I, which took me aback a bit, you know. <laughs> and and the first thing that popped into my head was, geez, I, I hope they're not going to ask me to wear a diaper. <laughs> you know, because if they do, I'm I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, you know but obviously that wasn't, I mean, he obviously was doing it because he, he felt he needed to be wearing Roger's clothes to get him into character. Yeah, and stuff it's, like, it's that. like a, it's like a method actor for a voice actor, which I've never yeah. heard of before. Yeah, I mean, that was fine. You know, Charlie wanted to do that, but then, you know, there's no way that I was going to be doing that for, 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 <laughs> for myself. But, uh, um, that was kind of my introduction on the set was, you know, seeing, you know, Charlie dressed as Roger. And mm -hmm. thinking, wow, this is going to be a weird job. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it, it turned out to be great fun. So. And what I love about this film is that unlike any other film like it, you guys who are just voices, you could easily just gone behind the microphone in post-production and done your you know, scenes and everything, but you were actually there on the set with the actors, and so they can play off of your voices. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything was we shot our everything was live. I mean, uh, um, we we were on set. Uh, um, you know, obviously on the other side of the camera, and and uh, um, uh, oh, sorry, that was my phone going off. <laughs> uh, I when when I get a, a text message, I actually have Bugs Bunny <laughs> give me a message that I have a, a text message. <laughs> I'll, I'll look at that later. But sorry, yeah, I got, I got uh, uh, off track there. But uh, um, we, we, you know, we were told that we were going to come and do our voices live with everybody. And, and uh, that's the way they were going to shoot it. It was it was a wonderful way to do it. But it was really, really tiring because we did everything 50 times. Because mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, Robert Zemeckis was was a, a perfectionist. He had it in his mind's eye as to how he wanted to see it, even though we couldn't see it, you know. But what what, what they did was is that they made up uh, little dolls, actual physical dolls, of of the cartoon characters, and would put them into the scenes, and we would rehearse with the dolls in. Uh, so that the actors working with the with the cartoon characters could get it in their mind's eye as to you know uh, how big you know where where their eye line should be and everything okay. like that. They always they call those scenes reference scenes, uh, and so we would we would shoot with the doll in, or we we would actually film it with the doll in, uh, and and also rehearse with it, and then. They would take the dolls out, and then we would shoot the scene. And you know, like Bob Hoskins would be literally acting to thin air. Yep. And then uh, they would, the following morning, they would go and look at the rushes, and and they would put the the reference scenes with the dolls uh, next to the scene to to the uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 formal scenes without the dolls in and match them up to see if the eye lines looked right. Yeah. Wow. And if they didn't look right, we would go back and do it again, mm-hmm. uh, which we had to do quite a few times because, you know, uh, I mean, but I read something somewhere that by the end, Bob Hoskins was uh, uh, hallucinating. I remember reading that too. Yep. Because he, he, he just, you know, he, he, he didn't know what was real and what wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, something uh i don't think i've ever mentioned this to anybody in an interview before so you get an exclusive there you go well thank you uh uh, um the my very very first day on the set we started to rehearse the 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 first scene that we shot was the scene with the uh baby herman in his baby carriage Mm -hmm. with the uh you know with the tall leggy blonde and and uh um and, and bob hoskins and um so we started to rehearse the scene, and um, I started to do my lines, and, and all of a sudden, this, this man came running out of nowhere, running up to me, and, and said, and went, just went, now I know how to draw him, and he walked away. <laughs> and I remember saying to the uh, um, to the sound engineer, 
I said, who is that? And they said, that's Richard Williams. He's the huh. chief animator. Uh-huh. He, you know, he, he created these characters. And I went, oh, I hadn't met him. And what I found out, and I only found this out a couple of years ago, that he, he loved Baby Herman. And, and uh, um, he drew every single frame of Baby Herman himself. Hmm. He didn't, he never let any of the other animators touch the baby. So every every single frame in the film was hand drawn by him. Wow! I only found this out a couple of years ago. You know, I was quite flattered because he wasn't sure how he should draw him until he eventually heard me. Oh, that's great! So you really truly inspired what we see on the screen. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, because what was funny was is that I mean, I wasn't given any kind of. Uh, um, direction as to how the baby should sound. I mean, I remember when I first read the script, the description of the baby in the script was, he looks like a baby, but he's 50 years old and he smokes <laughs> a cigar and he sounds like Wallace Beery. I don't know if you know who Wallace Beery is. I don't, I don't think he, I do. He was an old time actor in the 30s who had a really, really gruff voice. Okay. And I thought, oh, okay, you know, and... Uh, um, so I, I, I kind of developed this voice, but uh, um, but the voice that I used in in the film was a combination of that, and it was a, a combination of um, my friends imitating me. Um, because I lived <laughs> in the UK, um, 99% of my friends were, were British. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this. This is something else that I didn't know for years, but... They used to imitate me all the time uh, <laughs> and, um, because I had such a, a loud, gruff voice. Mm-hmm. But they, if if they were sort of saying something to somebody about me, they wouldn't say, "Oh, Lou said so and so." They would go, "My one of my friends, my good friend James Saxon, who unfortunately died a few years ago, mm-hmm. uh, he wouldn't say, "Oh, Lou said so and so." He would go, "Lou said," blah, 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 you know, and he would just, you know, and <laughs> and so I was kind of imitating them imitating me that's great the combination of that and the description of what the baby was supposed to sound like in that was written in the script that's how the kind of that's how the character developed and and the only the only direction robert zemeckis ever gave me in all the time that i was on the film was he always used to say to me talk faster he said cartoons talk faster than humans he says, just speed up your dialogue. Huh. You know, and that's the only thing he ever said to me. It was, it was, wow. uh, um, and practically everything that we did on set stayed in the film. I think I, I only had to, I had, had to post sync one line uh, uh, in the film because there was some background noise that they couldn't get okay. rid of. And um, I arrived at the studio one of the biggest disappointments in my life because when I got there, the the sound engineer who I had known as I had worked with him on some other stuff, when I got there, he said, he says, oh, he says, I wish you'd come five minutes earlier. He says, you just missed Mel Blanc. Oh God. And I was crushed because <sighs> I mean, uh, I I I knew he was doing stuff on the film, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, but he was he was he wasn't around. I, I think he. I think he did most of his stuff 
post sync. I don't think I he think was so. ever. I'm sure so. if he was ever actually on the set. Oh god, that um, would have been amazing to meet him. And plus, I think it's his last performance. I believe. Yes, yes, it was. I mean, uh, um, I always remember. I don't know if you ever saw the uh, um, the obituary that uh, um, uh, Warner Brothers put in the newspapers for I don't, him. Have I don't you think, ever seen that? I don't think I have. It's 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 wonderful. It's uh, um, it really chokes me up when I think about it. Actually, it's all the Warner Brothers characters standing in a line with oh, their yeah. heads bowed. Yeah, I have seen and that. There's a, a microphone with a spotlight on it, mm-hmm. and and underneath it just says "speechless." Yeah, I remember seeing that. Wonderful, and it it was weird actually because he actually died the 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 same day as Laurence Olivier. Wow. And, um, you know, there was all this stuff in the papers about Lawrence Olivier, blah, 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 blah. And not that much about Mel Blanc. And I just mm-hmm. thought, you know, that's not right. I said, mm-hmm. because there's probably more people in the world know who Bugs Bunny was. Oh, yeah, for sure. People, <laughs> have, people have heard <laughs> him know? way more times than most other actors out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, uh, and, and what, a, what a vocal genius he was. And I, I was just... I felt so bad that I didn't get didn't get the chance to meet him. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, um, just and just missed him, you know. But that's that's life, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, not just him. I mean, there was like June Foray, Pat Buttram, uh, yeah. Mae Questel, who was uh, of course Betty Boop. So many amazing voices on that movie. Yeah, I mean, and they, they you know, it was also the first time that Warner Brothers characters and and Disney characters ever appeared on film together. Uh-huh, yep. Uh huh. Yep. Which was a major coup, you know, for 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 the, uh, uh, the producers and stuff. Not you know, not to mention all the you know the new characters that were created for the film, but all the Warner Brothers characters and all the all the Disney characters, everybody was in this film. Yep. You know, which I think is why it became such a classic. Yep. I, I yeah, heard yeah. recently, maybe a couple of years ago, I heard Warner Brothers, like the number one thing they wanted from this movie in order to put their characters into this movie was that their main characters had equal screen time as the Disney characters. And that's mm. why you see like uh, Mickey and Bugs skydiving together. You yeah, know, equal screen time. Yeah, yeah, but then and then they were quite happy to give it to them. I think. I mean, it's just saying you know, that it was uh, it was just great to see all those characters together. I mean, uh, um, um, it, it was a major coup for all the people involved. You know, Spielberg mm-hmm. and and uh, I think uh, uh, um, oh, I can't remember the guy. Well, there was one producer. I can't remember his name. It was a lovely man, and I can't remember his name now, but. He was responsible for getting all this together and stuff, uh-huh. uh, and it was just great to be a part of that. I, I was I was fortunate to to be on the on the shoot on the very very last day of of filming because we actually shot the the opening scene last. Okay, uh, you know where where the refrigerator falls mm-hmm. on Roger and he sees birds instead of stars you know, and, and, and <laughs> baby Herman goes off in a huff and everything like that we actually that was the last scene that was shot in the film then we had a big rap party on the set I'd never seen so much champagne in my life <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, I actually got quite inebriated 
on, on the day. And um, uh, it was in the days where I used to have a driver. He used to pick me up, bring me to the set, and drive me home. Uh, at the end of the day, the driver was waiting for me, and I, I mean, I was sozzled. We were driving back into London, and I said, uh, oh, I, I want to go to my local pub and see my friends, you know. So the driver said, sure, and he drove me to the pub, and I, I says, I won't be long, you know. I just walked in, I walked into the pub, and I had this silly grin on my face, and it was, I mean, as I told you earlier, I had, you know, I had, we weren't allowed to tell anybody about uh -huh. the film. Uh -huh. And I, but I walked into the pub and I had this silly grin on my face. And one of my friends said to me, where have you been? And I went, making history. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's all. I, I couldn't say anything else. Uh, but it was, uh, it, it was a wonderful experience. And uh, when we went, they, when the film was eventually cut together, they had a, a, a cast and crew screening. Uh, uh, in London, they had to have it over two days because the crew was so big on the film; they couldn't fit the whole crew in the wow. in the theater uh, uh, in one in one sitting. I remember seeing a couple of the other guys uh, that had done voices along with me at, at, at the screening. I, I saw this one guy, and uh, I said, "Oh, you!" He was playing uh, one of a, a fairly large part in it one of the cartoon characters and i said i said oh you must be really excited and he, and he said i'm not in the film anymore huh. and I, I said well what do you mean he says uh, they revoiced me and i got scared oh I, god yeah because you know, i i brought my girlfriend and her two children to, to the screening and i thought oh gosh i'm going to be really embarrassed here you know <laughs> uh, thankfully i mean uh, I, they, they they hadn't re i, I they hadn't revoiced me because, uh, I mean, I, I guess they would have told me that prior to it, you know. But what I found out was I, I, I'm the, I think I'm the only person, the only actor who did a voice in London uh, that uh, of, of sort of the, the, the smaller characters. It didn't mm -hmm. get revoiced oh, wow. when it went into post-production because huh. all of a sudden, you know, obviously the word got out when it got back to L.A., you know, and all of a sudden all these actors were going, I want to do a voice, I want to mm -hmm. do a voice, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and a lot of people, everybody, apart from me, um, got revoiced. Hmm. Uh, um, so I was I was very lucky. I, I, I was, you know, I guess I was lucky. Richard Williams liked me so much. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Rubens was attached to the voice Roger before Charles came. That I didn't know. Mm -hmm. That I didn't know. I mean, um, that would have been interesting. That would have been <laughs> actually. If you if you go to YouTube, there's some test footage of of what he recorded. It's on YouTube. Oh really? Mm -hmm. Oh God, well, I'll take a look at that this afternoon. That that's interesting. I'd never known that. That that's a that's a new one on me, Tim. Well, there you go. I heard it was like many years before um, production came across with, with your version of Roger Rabbit. It's going to be a much different story. So they went with a different voice actor for that. Right, right. 
But he didn't. I think you know what Charlie did was was oh, was yeah. great. Oh, it's amazing. I, I couldn't see anybody else doing that. No, no, no. And and he did a couple of. I, he did Benny the Cab as well. Now I heard that you were supposed to be Benny at first, right? Is that what I read correctly? No, no, I don't think they ever okay. asked me to be. It's... I don't. I don't recall that. I, I, I remember. I remember after we did. Um, after we did Roger Rabbit, they had me test for voices for Lion King. Oh. Um, but they 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 decided that you know my voice was it was just too recognizable and yeah. they didn't <laughs> they didn't want to use it and it's a shame really because because one of my friends that I actually went to college with did uh, uh, Pumbaa's voice uh, I went to college with Ernie Sabella oh uh, so cool uh, uh, and uh, um, we you know we we were friends in college and uh, um, would have would have been nice to have worked work with him again and, and and he's gone on to do some wonderful oh, stuff yeah, as is. well so uh, do you know um, who you tested for for lion king anybody in particular i can't i can't remember uh, um i think it might have been it might have been like for one of one of the orangutans i think or something i'm i i'm not really sure it's that long ago mm -hmm. uh, because they they tested me they they were running the tests when um because we got we we did three uh, six minute shorts that went out in front of feature films. Mm -hmm. Yep. It was while I, I had gone in to to record one of those that they decided to test me for Lion King. But it, it's it's so long ago I, I, oh, I yeah. can't remember. <laughs> but uh, uh, but I remember going in to to do my recordings for uh, um for the three shorts and. Um, they would never. The, the Disney people would never. They never wouldn't call me Lou. They, they, they would. They would only. They would call me Baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd be in. The, I'd be in a studio in London, and they were in L.A. They, we were doing all the recordings via phone patch and stuff like that. They, you know, I get get in the studio and they go, "Good morning, Baby." You know, oh, hello, <laughs> and and they go, oh, you know, baby, we, we don't like that line. We 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 want to change the line. So uh, um, go and have a cup of coffee, and uh, we'll we'll come back. And I said, okay, you know, I don't care. I'd sit around with the engineer and have you know copious cups of coffee while they rewrote a line, you know. And they come back and say, okay, baby, we're ready now. And then we'll fax you the line, and then, mm -hmm. and then that's how we did it, you know. So I never knew what any of the the little shorts were going to look like until they were actually mm. uh, produced. So those were all, you know, they weren't shot the way we shot the feature film. Yeah, so. much different, much different. Now, now back to the original. We were talking about being cut and everything. Some of your friends were cut from being voices. Was there anything cut? from baby Herman, were there more scenes in the script that were supposed to be shot, but weren't shot or any deleted scenes you actually did record? Not, not that I recall, but, uh, um, I always remember reading stuff that are, that, cause I think in the original book that, that Gary K. Wolf wrote mm -hmm. that, that baby Herman actually, baby Herman was the villain, but, they obviously decided that that's not the way they wanted it to go, and so. Uh, uh, but I don't. Re I don't recall 
um, being given any scenes and them being told that uh, uh, they weren't going to uh, uh, shoot those. Okay. Uh, not not to my memory, man. but you know, it was thirty years ago. So uh, I know, you know what you mean. You know, I I. <laughs> I, I could my memory might not be as good as I think it is. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, if there's ever a sequel, which I hope there is, I mean, there's been rumors on it and everything. Hopefully, we get to see you come back as Baby Herman. Well, I, I would be, I would love to actually, but you know what the funny thing is, is that in a way, I'm kind of glad that it that they don't do a sequel. I can see where you're coming from exactly. I mean, it's a classic. You don't want to ruin it. Yeah, and, and and I think that uh, um, trying to do do it again, I mean, especially after all this time, and you know, with with all the CGI stuff uh, now, because all that stuff didn't exist in in, in mm-hmm. the mid '80s. Um, I don't see how they could do it and do it with the quality that they did when they did the original. And and I think leaving it as a as a one off mm-hmm. just keeps it as a classic. You know, certainly I would love the work. You know, but I, I kind of like it that 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 they never they never did get around. I mean, I'd heard rumors for years. Yep. You know, uh, there was there was even talk when we when we were doing the uh, the six minute shorts. There was there was talk of uh, Baby Herman having his own television series. Oh wow! And um, all these emails and faxes going back and forth between my agents in London and and Disney in California. And I th- at the end of the day, I think they just decided that the uh, uh, the cost was just going to be too much to mm-hmm. do because because when Roger Rabbit was made. It was at that time, I think, the most expensive film ever shot. Yeah, it makes sense. Because, and I think, if my memory serves me, it cost like something like sixty million dollars or mm-hmm. something like that. But that was nineteen eighty six or eighty seven or whatever, you know. Uh, uh, and now, you know, they're, they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars on films. Uh, uh, so I can't imagine what it would cost if they were to try to do it again. So <laughs> plus, they get the rights to all the other studio. Uh, characters, I'm sure that'll yeah. be a pretty penny right there. Yeah, I, I just think it would be too complicated. Uh, um, and um, and and when there was this talk of uh, you know maybe having his own series and stuff, they just decided that it was just going to be too expensive, and they just dropped it like a hot potato, mm-hmm. which which I was very uh, upset about, but there was nothing I could do. <laughs> so you know, it was like uh, um, I, I I had you know my moment of dreaming of you know wonderful things for for for, for a few <laughs> minutes and then uh, it all went in the toilet so. yeah spending that paycheck before you even got it oh yeah i was spending it already yeah I mean, <laughs> you know i was doing you know all the fancy cars and everything there you but go. it didn't happen so you know back to driving a volkswagen you know? <laughs> and regarding the sequel do we really want to see it w- without bob hoskins you know that's another thing you know i mean uh, um you know he he was such an integral part of, of the film you just couldn't I, I, who who would who would now play Eddie valiant i mean yeah. you know they would have, it would have to go off on a completely different tack yep exactly you know? exactly and so in that respect it wouldn't really be a sequel you mm-hmm. know uh, um so you know 
Yep, I completely agree with that. And so, what are you doing these days? What do you keep busy with? Well, I I, I moved back to America um, just a little under two years ago. Um, after spending the better part of my adult life in the UK, and um, things have been quiet, but but it's been that's been more uh, uh, by choice rather than uh, um, anything else because you know I I bought an, a, a lovely little house and I've been just sort of getting the house together, uh, and um, I just decided that you know when I'm when I'm ready when I think okay the house is done then I'll you know maybe sort of start to put myself about again and, mm-hmm. and uh, um, maybe start to do a little work again. But there was a whole series of circumstances in London. I had the same agent for nearly 40 years when I lived in London, and uh, and she retired. Oh. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, people were going, oh, he's too old. And I thought, when did I become old? I don't remember that <laughs> happening. You know, but I guess you do. You know, and and uh, um, the, the 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 frequency of work started to to dwindle, and um, and then Brexit happened, and I thought, well, that's the last straw. You know, and um, so I sold my house in uh, um, uh, in London, and and decided to move back to America. So that's where I am now. So, well, welcome back. Thank you, thank you. I mean, it's. Uh, it's it's a bit of culture shock, I have to say, you know. Uh, uh, and I I do I do miss London and I, I miss my friends, but um, I just had some I had only last week I had visitors from from London come visit me here, so so that was nice. So, you know, I still keep in touch, and uh, you know, I can always get on a plane and go back. Yep, exactly. So. Lou, I want to seriously thank you so much for your time. I had a great time. This has been a great conversation here it's, it's one of my favorites i think oh it's my pleasure i mean uh, th- i i'm 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 flattered that you asked me to do this <laughs> well thank you so much and uh is there any way i can have you channel little baby herman to close out the interview this is baby herman you're listening to saturday morning rewind with tim nidell the whole thing stinks like yesterday's diapers Thanks for listening to Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks.